three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Real Pineapple. This is your humble host, Hunter, here. Hope you're all having a great, great uh, end to your weekend slash start to your week. I've got a review here for <laughs> for something. I'll be honest. I've been kind of sitting on this review. Like, it's a review. I've been like, I want to knock this out. But to be honest, I didn't really know how to approach it. And I mean that in the sense of... How long do I really want to talk about this movie? How much do I really want to break it down? And honestly, going to kind of just take it as it comes to me, uh, kind of per usual. Uh, got a review here for Tenet, which, of course, is uh, written and directed and produced by Christopher Nolan. I don't really need to run down Christopher Nolan's uh, resume, but of course you guys know Memento, which I actually still think is his best film. That might be a little controversial, but I stand by it. I think it's his best movie. Um, Batman Begins, of course, uh, Dark Knight, Prestige, Inception, uh, you know, Interstellar, those films. He's, he's, he's done some good stuff, but we get to Tenet here, and I will be the first to admit, when the whole pandemic started, and Tenet was, of course, announced like many other films was going to be delayed. I remember thinking, you know, even from the trailers I saw, and I actually went back and watched uh, each trailer uh, before uh, hopping on the recording here, I remember just thinking, huh. And not huh, like, oh, God, this looks like dog shit, but huh in the sense of it kind of just gave me Dunkirk vibes. Just in that way of, all right, from a technical standpoint, this will probably be really good, but outside of that, eh, basically. And w- so what's funny about this movie is with Christopher Nolan's whole stance on, you know, this has to be shown in the theater, damn a pandemic. I'll be the first to admit, I went into this movie with a bad attitude. And now, if there's any critic, and, and I hate when critics say this shit, if there's any critic that goes, oh, I went in this completely, you know, even kiltered, open-minded, da, da da every critic has had a film at least once a year, and I'm being generous by saying once a year, that they go, oh, God, I don't want to watch this, or oh, I'm concerned about this. But if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you know the example I always bring up the Spy with Melissa McCarthy and uh, Jason Statham and Rose Byrne. I always go back to that example because I always, you know, being trained by watching several of her movies, thought, all right, Melissa McCarthy, it's going to be a bunch of fat jokes and her trying to, you know, get upstairs and follow me and shit like that. And and Spy is really the closest thing we've had to a Naked Gun film since the Naked Gun film stopped in the 90s. Spy is genuinely amazing and is actually, I think, Paul Fagg's best movie outside of A Simple Favor, which is my favorite film that he's done. I love that movie. I actually own A Simple Favor. I don't own Spy, but I should. So all that to say that you can have preconceived notions about a film and go into it and still, you know, the film be so good that you go, son of a bitch, you know, this is actually way better than I, you know, could have ever expected. 
Now, I will give Tenet credit on a couple things. The first uh, 10 minutes, I'd say like 10 minutes, the, the opening scene that kind of takes place at this college where uh, John David Washington's character goes ahead and is leading this uh, almost Rainbow Six Tom Clancy type uh, type uh, uh, elite team to go ahead and, and uh, steal this thing. When when you see John Div Washington in that scene, I remember going, okay, he seems very prepared. He seems very well-trained. He seems very militant, um, as it were. And to be honest, that's where my issues with the film start. Because I remember thinking, well... All right, if he's this well trained and this, you know, this militant and this focused, why isn't he like that for the rest of the film? Tenet itself as a concept, it seems like it is so it is specifically constructed to take him out of his game and to make him seem so inept the whole film. And the problem is while you can and I'm gonna use a very random comparison, but stick with me here. I can't think of her character's name. It doesn't really matter. But Naomi Scott's character in Charlie's Angels, as bad as that remake is, and God almighty, is that movie bad that Elizabeth Banks directed and uh, wrote and produced. The thing about that film is that Naomi Scott, by the end of it, feels like she's an angel. She feels like she is genuinely ready to go ahead and work for that organization and be a big player, a uh, big player moving forward. With John David Washington's character, by the end of this, it felt like almost felt like a fever dream that he went through. And it feels like he's actually not any better or hasn't evolved given the insane circumstances that go around uh, that go on, on uh, around him, which for me is a giant problem because you're basically saying, fuck you, the hero's journey. It, it's like he didn't learn anything throughout the whole film. And this film itself, it's two hours and 30 minutes. And it feels every single minute of its runtime. Uh, It's really quite frustrating. And really sitting here thinking about this before I got on mic, I think about something like Inception, because I was making the joke with uh, with, uh, OJ, who's featured on reviews here before. I was making the joke with OJ that, oh, man, he needed Jonathan. uh, He needs Jonathan Nolan to help him out with this shit, clearly. But then I think back to... Inception, Nolan wrote Inception by himself. And when I think about Inception, the thing that really, really jumps out as far as the difference between this and Tenet is that you have Leo in that role. Leo has that chance at redemption with that impossible task. Um, he, you know, he has he has his hand with his ex-wife. He's not a good person, but you root for him because you want to see him go ahead and, you know, become the best version of himself. They don't give you enough about John David Washington to care about his character and the journey he's about to go on. And that is really the difference. There's no emotional attachment to this film. It jumps through that first action scene, he gets captured, he gets tied to a chair, he's getting his teeth pulled out, which I'll be the first to admit, that's probably the most I felt in this movie, because I have a huge thing with my teeth, and so <laughs> seeing someone get their teeth pulled out, I was like, oh shit, okay, but you see him go ahead and bite this, 
you go see him go take a you know basically a, a cyanide pill, which you think, oh, that's gonna kill him. Clearly, it doesn't because it's a fake. But it's the whole oh, you proved you're a great agent in the field. Now we have another mission for you. And oh, your teeth are back in. It it's it's a lot of just convenience with this film, and I I I, I think that's what's frustrating too is thinking about how these characters interact with each other. There, you have the whole interaction with John David Washington's character in Neil, who's played by Robert Pattinson. And I'll be the first to admit, I've heard some people say, oh, if Robert Pattinson and John David Washington switch roles, this would have been a much better film. I don't think that's true, because I just don't think the script, no matter who uh, was John David Washington's character, would have given it... I don't think any actor really could have pulled more out of this because I think it's such hollow writing for John Dave Washington's character. And I'll get to his character and why he bugs me more uh, in a bit here. But there there are things in this movie that I did find kind of interesting, I guess. The whole, you know, going forward versus going reverse. The thing about this movie, too, is that everyone is talking so matter of fact about this like oh this is clear something that everyone knows about people are just talking about physics like intense intense uh intense physics where i'm just like well you you wouldn't speak so matter of factly about this about metaphysics you just wouldn't i can say myself as someone who's known people who've majored in multiple different types of sciences across the board they never just go oh let me just sit you down let me just talk about physics for a half hour that's what it feels like this whole time there's a point where john day washington is talking to i believe it's barbara who's played by uh uh clemens uh I, i'm not even try for last name uh uh, uh poise is what i'll go with and she's kind of the the cue for the moment in the film that he's talking to her about you know, shooting a bullet, uh, shooting a bullet versus picking it up, and there's a point where she legit straight up to the screen goes, "Oh yeah, don't even worry, like don't don't think about it." And I'm sitting there going, "Um, no, I kind of need to know how this works." And even after he leaves, after talking to her, it doesn't feel like he really knows what he's getting into. It feels like he's really going into everything blind, which. At a point, I would think you would go, oh, we need to stop this right here because it it, it doesn't, you know, this isn't working for me. I don't know what I'm getting into. And I wrote a lot of notes about this. I wrote about five pages of notes uh, in this film. I'm going to break as much down as I feel like breaking down. A couple things for me. For me, something like Inception or The Matrix Took a couple watches for me to really appreciate. I think it took two watches, took two watches for Inception, two for The Matrix. I watched Tenet start to finish, not on my phone, three times. One, two, three. Count them. Three times I watched this movie because I had a couple of my friends go, oh my God, this is great. This is no one's best film. Holy, holy, holy hell. Like it's it's great. Hunter, you should love this. And I went back and I watched it each time because I really was sitting here thinking, maybe I'm just missing something. Maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe I'm not in the right mindset. So I watched it. The first time I watched this, stoned as a dog. Second second and third time, I was sober. Sober as hell watching this. And 
Actually, no, I wasn't high the first time. I was sober the first time. So I was sober all three times watching this. Paying attention, had subtitles on, which, trust me, you'll need. And I'm sitting there watching this going, I'm not missing anything. This is just a bad movie. And I watched a couple YouTube videos, too, of people talking about why Tenet's a masterpiece and why it's my favorite Nolan film. And after watching those, it actually made me hate it more. Because I went, I you're taking the complete wrong things away from this film. And I feel like you're making excuses for Nolan. You know, as much as I talk about Zack Snyder, this felt like a Snyder movie. This felt like a worse, it felt like the worst version of a Snyder film that I could think of uh, coming from Christopher Nolan. And I have to give credit to my friend. I won't say it's, I can't remember if it was Frank or Alex. It's one of the two of you. I love you both. But I think the term that really hit home with me when we were discussing Tenet uh, on Facebook is uh, faux intelligence. No one has this aura of I'm better than you to quote MJF from AEW. I'm better than you when you know it. That's what Christopher Nolan comes across as. And with this whole pandemic and how Tenet was rolled out and, and the fact that, oh, you have to go see in the theater. And if a theater in your town isn't open, uh, that's not a drive-in. Like the main theaters have to be open, or I won't let it even screen in your in your town. It really speaks to his narcissism. And when you're great, and let's be clear, Christopher Nolan has been a great director pretty much since he got in the game. So I understand why he's given so much rope to do really whatever the fuck he wants. I mean, ever since Memento came out in 2000, it seems like this guy really can't miss. Until, I would say, a couple years ago, where, yes, Dunkirk has 93% of Rotten Tomatoes, I get that. But it was really interstellar, where people kind of went, alright, this is really good, it's a little long, and there are flaws with it. And I would even say Dark Knight Rises, I think people remember that more fondly than they honestly should. I rewatched the Nolan Trilogy six months ago, and Dark Knight Rises... I'll be honest, it, it's aged worse for me the more I've watched it. I'd still probably give it a B minus, C plus, it's right in that range, but it really has gotten worse the more that I've watched it. So Nolan is starting to show the cracks in the armor a little bit. And I go back to I go back to Inception. Inception's such a great movie because there are stakes. There are characters you care about, there are characters that are fleshed out, and you know it, and, of course, you have some great action scenes and some incredible cinematography. And I know people will go, well, Hunter, what about the cinematography in here? I thought the cinematography is great. And my retort would be, so what? So what? Because when you think about something like Disney, it's like someone going, oh, the animation was great in that Pixar movie. It should be. Tenet had a $200 million budget. It should look great considering how much money Warner Brothers is throwing at him. And yet, for some reason, this is just kind of what we get. Just this kind of hollow, eh, what you going to do sort of film. Robert Pattinson himself, in interviews, said that he needed help from John David Washington to understand the movie, which is something that makes me go, really? If it's that intense of a script, maybe you're... (laughs) This felt like Christopher Nolan had, and I'm going to make this random comparison, but stick with me here, people. 
Did do you remember that movie Push that came out? I think it was 2008 with Chris Evans and uh, what's her name, uh, Dakota Fanning. Um, I think it was 2008. Uh, 2009. Wow, I'm really impressed. I was even that close. Uh, but that movie, it felt very much like this in the sense of someone clearly had a concept, not a full script, but a concept to write around. And the problem is. With Christopher Nolan, because again, he's made Warner Brothers so much money. They just go, here's your check. You know, here's your blank check. We're not even going to question it. You know, tell us what you want. And it's really quite frustrating when you think about if this could have really, this felt like a two-part or what should have been a two-part uh, person of interest episode. With Chris, with Jonathan Nolan helping him, I really think Christopher could have fleshed this shit out. But again, let's be clear. Christopher Nolan clearly has an ego. No disrespect in that, but he has an ego. But this is one of those times where he really should have picked up the phone and gone, hey, Jonathan, can you help me out with this, man? Like, I have this idea, but I'm I really do need to flesh it out. And it's kind of frustrating because I believe this movie is a rewrite, maybe two away from being what might be a good to great Nolan film. There's a good film in here somewhere. I do believe that. There is this fight scene, and and, and I'll be the first to admit, there's a couple action scene pieces in here that I went, all right, that, that's not bad. But one thing I, I got to say is when you look at something like, because I keep making the comparison to, to Inception and the Matrix, there is a difference between creating a film that takes multiple screenings to unpack, like Inception, like The Matrix, versus writing a movie that doesn't communicate what's happening between the scenes. And the cuts between each scene, the transitions, are the sloppiest I've seen in the film maybe all year. It just feels like they're just pa- like just ships in the sea just passing each other. It just happens, like just snap of the fingers. It doesn't feel like an actual transition. It just feels like something that has to occur because the film has to keep going. And that itself is something that really, really irritated me. Uh, Nolan himself, and and I'm pulling clips from Nolan or quotes from Nolan for getting to the end of the review. Nolan himself said that a complete grasp of the script is one that understands acknowledges the need for this film to live on in the audience's mind and suggests possibilities in the audience's mind. To you, my audience, I'll be the first to admit, I had, if I hadn't taken such very articulate notes about this film, this film would not be in my mind anymore. The Anytime I finished watching it, it was out of my head within 30 minutes. So I was like, oh yeah, I did watch Tenet. Uh, all right, whatever, let's move on. It's it's really quite confusing <laughs> when you really just kind of take that half step back and look at what Nolan is presenting. There are, again, some things I did enjoy. The uh, 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 entropy is what they call it, The which is a gimmick. Let's be clear. Like the whole reverse shit. It's a gimmick. It's clearly a gimmick. But the effects themselves... They are well done uh, when they are uh, when they are you know having bolts reverse and shit. I think it, I think it'll amaze not not even amaze you. I think it will kind of make, kind of make you go oh okay the first time, but by the end of the movie I was just kind of like this is you know this is your trick this is the film's trick, and I'm kind of just over it to be honest. I'm just going through other stuff here that I that uh, that the film is making me think of. Robert Pattinson, I think he'll be a great Bruce Wayne once we get to the Batman. I did 
chuckle when apparently he got the uh, news about him being passed, cast as Bruce Wayne while he was filming Tenet. So I was like, that's kind of funny. I really, really, really like Elizabeth uh, Debicki. She plays Cat. She is married to uh, this guy, Sater, who's played by Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh, let's be clear, is the best thing about this fucking movie. Uh, Elizabeth uh, Debicki, you've seen her in a couple things. You've seen her in a Burnt or, uh, Orange or, uh, Heresy, which I actually liked her in. Uh, you saw her in Widows, which I really... She was Alice in that. I really liked her in that. Uh, she's uh, Aisha, the gold chick, in uh, Guardians Volume 2. So she's she's only been in stuff... Uh, her first big kind of breakout role was uh, Jordan Baker in The Great Gatsby in 2013. So she hasn't been acting for long. I think she does a good job with what she's handed here. She's not given a lot. Her whole story arc is basically, I have a kid and Kenneth Branagh hits me, which let's be clear. Nolan hasn't always been great about writing female characters. And this kind of hammers at home, maybe more so than ever before. While I thought that Rachel, sorry, Rachel in, uh, in Batman Begins and Dark Knight, wasn't well written. Her identity is straight up. I'm abused. The end. And it just, it's really frustrating because I think if you make Cat John David Washington's, uh, sorry, John David Washington's character, if you make her the protagonist, I think this film actually gets, gains more meaning and you get that emotional aspect that you're missing from something like Inception, uh, that something like Inception had that this film doesn't. I really actually appreciated that. Uh, I really appreciate that quite a bit. The scene I was referring to earlier in the film, where John David Washington is uh, talking to uh, is talking to uh, Barbara about you know the bullets and everything. The thing that just made me laugh is she she flat out goes you know uh, he goes cause comes before effect, and she goes no that's just how we see time. And he goes well what about free will? Wouldn't the bullet have moved if he hadn't tried to move it? And she just goes you know don't try to understand it, feel it. And I remember going. That is dumb. That is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly fucking dumb. There's a scene, too, where John David Washington talks to uh, Crosby, who's played by Michael Caine. It's probably the one laugh I actually got out of the film. Uh, I'm paraphrasing the line, but he goes, oh, you know, you know, you British people don't have a don't have a, uh, you know, a lock on, uh, you know, nice suits. And, you know, Crosby goes, oh, but we, you know, we might have the Monopoly. It's something like that. I was like, okay, that that's 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 pretty funny. Also, can I point out the irony that the protagonist, which is what John Dave Washington's character's name is, the protagonist, that he has to wear a mask to save his life. And yet Christopher Nolan was telling people to risk their lives to see Tenet during a pandemic. I, I just, I have to point out the irony in that because anytime I saw John David Washington wearing his mask, I just went... All right, that that's that's just really fucking stupid. The best scene in this movie is probably the restaurant fight where the protagonist goes ahead and meets Cat and is trying to go ahead and get to Seder because he's the one who's basically going to bring about uh, World War Three, and that whole sequence of her basically going, you know, my husband will kill you, and him going, you know, I might surprise you. He has a, uh, a restaurant fight scene that I went, okay, I really needed more of this shit. 
I really need more of this. And it's very, very irritating that I don't get more of this. Um, yeah, I, I give me more of that, Nolan. Don't overthink the shit, man. There's that scene that the, uh, the trailers allude to where, um, where the protagonist is working with uh, uh, Art Bats's uh, Neil to go ahead, uh, break into this, uh, break into the spot to get these gold bars, but then they have to use a plane to run it to stop the alarm system. It's a whole thing. That whole sequence, I thought, not the whole sequence. I thought the actual break-in portion. There's this part where they have to go ahead and hold their breath uh, to go ahead and get in these certain uh, portion uh, portions of the uh, of the building they're in. I thought the tension on that was actually well done. I was like, all right, this this works for me. Um, that was cool. I, I really liked that. But it, it just, <sighs> there are just so many parts in this where I just kind of was rolling my eyes going, give me a break. When you get to the end of the movie, it, it, the conclusion that the film comes to, and I will tell you, and OJ would be a witness to this. I flat out called what one of the like kind of the twist was between Neil and the protagonist as far as their relationship. And I just went, give me a break. Like it was one of those things I just went, really? This is what you're going with. This is how you're gonna justify. Uh, all right, that's dumb. But to wrap up here, I have to go ahead and just say break this down right here. So <clears throat> This is a sequence of events. The protagonist picks up an uh, encapsulation in Kiev. The protagonist gets interrogated but eats the pill. The protagonist is revealed that it was all a test. He's briefed on Tenet. He trains for really no reason because he should be a soldier and in shape. But he trains. He's briefed about Tenet and Inversion. He meets Neil. He meets Priya, who's his other character. Uh, he meets Kat. Protagonist ordered his food forever ago. He robs a bank linked to Cat. He meets Andre. He is hired by Andre to retrieve a suitcase. He passes the suitcase to Andre. He realizes the suitcase is all part of the tenant algorithm, and Andre tries to detonate it. He has to save Cat after she was shot by Andre. He uh, he uh, inverts the saver. He then reinverts to save Cat. He, along with everyone but Andrade, inverts back in time to stop a ten-minute siege, start a ten-minute siege, on a on a Andre's hometown. He lets Cat kill Andre. He then saves Cat. He founds Tenet. So, here is where this movie makes no sense. I want you to think about this if you've seen it. All that means that he'll eventually invert to hire Robert Pattinson's Neil. And influence the events of the opera scene at the beginning of the film. If we assume, though, that the cause of this whole film is the protagonist picking up the encapsulation in Kiev, then the effect, in theory, should be the protagonist finding Tenet. But if Tenet itself couldn't have been created, if the protagonist wouldn't have gone through the events of the film, he couldn't have gone through the events of the film if he didn't create Tenet. Meaning that the events have seemingly created themselves, meaning that it would make the cause of Tenet's events, uh, uh, mean it would make the cause of Tenet's events its effect, which means that the whole temporal prints or movements are fucking useless with no origin. Therefore, the whole film is fucking useless. It makes 
no sense whatsoever. And it is maddening, maddening to me that when I took a step back and really thought about it, I went, oh, this movie doesn't make any sense. And just to compare it even more to Inception, when I think about the first act, all it is is John David Washington going through the school of hard tenet. But then when you think about Leo's character uh, in regards to uh, uh, Cobb, when you think about uh, Elliot Page's character in, uh, in uh, oh my gosh, in, uh, not Interstellar, uh, Inception, good grief. Because the visuals are just way more inspired and there's more emotional beats as he's describing what's going on to her, uh, to, to him, pardon me, he, Elliot Page's character seems more confused and less in awe. And honestly, that's coming across to the audience. And Cobb doesn't just provide exposition because you get a peek into Cobb's demons in relation to his dead wife. You know, you get more emotion in this. That is what's so frustrating is that there's no real emotional stakes until we're introduced to Cat. And Cat is such a bitch to John Dave Washington's character when he's supposed to go back and save her and, ha and has this really just faux emotional attachment to her. It doesn't make sense that he's risking everything to go ahead and save her. It would make sense if he's just like, oh, yeah, fuck this. I'm going to kill uh, Kenneth Branagh's satyr. If that's all it was just about killing him, then that's one thing. But he is determined to save her. And it really just doesn't make any sense at the end of the day. Last thing I'll say before I get to my final thoughts, plot is what happens with uh, plot is what happens. Story is how the plot makes the characters feel. And there's really no emotional stakes or reason for John Davis Washington's protagonist. Cobb, if he goes in and does what he does in Inception, he gets his record clear. He can reunite with his family. And honestly, who wouldn't do whatever they could to reunite with their family, especially in the times we're in right now? So there's an actual emotion behind it in Inception. There is none here in Tenet. And I know that people are going to go ahead and say, you know, well, what about Cat? You're talking about Cat, right? Well, the protagonist is the same character throughout the film. There's really no evolution to John David Washington's character. Yes, again, I was talking about Kat and her potential emotional beats that she has, but then my counter to that would be, why do we know so little about her outside the fact she has a kid and that Andre likes to hit her? That's really all she is. She's not fleshed out enough to have a true emotional beat, which is just another thing that drove me fucking nuts about this. So... Getting to my final thoughts here, Ludwig, um, uh, oh my gosh, uh, Ludwig, uh, I can never remember how you say his last name, uh, Goranson is what I'm going to go with. You know, you know him, he's done the scores for Creed, Mandalorian, Black Panther, won an Oscar uh, for score for Black Panther. He's an incredible composer. It feels like he's doing a very bad Hans Zimmer impression on this, and I know Hans Zimmer had some influence over his career, but it's just... The way that the sound is used here, to a point where even no one tries to place some of the score backwards, it's way too overly cute for its own good. And there's no reason for him to get this technical and this just douchey <laughs> with this project. It's really quite frustrating because when I think about films that came out in 2020, 
This is one of my least favorite ones. Uh, this will be on my worst of 2020 list. I, I was just kind of flabbergasted. And again, I watched this three times to try to give it a chance to make me go, oh, okay, maybe this is good. It's not good. It's a bad film. And I know people are, def some people are defending this so adamantly and just like, oh, this is a great movie. Again, if you want to talk about the cinematography and it being a beautiful film, that's fine. I have no issue with that. But again, by that logic, put on Phantom Menace. Put on fucking Rise of Skywalker. I don't even like Rise of Skywalker, really. But this is, it's better than this is. And that's shocking for me to say. And again, I have multiple problems with Rise of Skywalker. But I'd rather watch it than this. At least there's lightsabers, at least there's, there's some shit that I can go, well, okay, that's at least space. But at the end of the day, this is just a hollow husk of a film that really shouldn't have been made. And considering this looks like it will be the end of him and Warner Brothers' partnership together, honestly, good. He can go somewhere else. Maybe this will be the kick in the ass that he needs to go ahead and actually write something great again because this just the last couple films i think he's starting to struggle and it really might be time for him to reach out to jonathan and be like hey man like please help me out um i won't give this a go fuck yourself because again there's cinematography and some stuff i enjoyed but this is an f minus for me like this is something i'll never watch again uh even talking to my a couple of my friends about it they were like really you're giving, gonna give it this yeah, because there's just no reason for me to ever watch this again. Even the, even it's pretty. I, I I don't care. I can watch other pretty things and not be this bored or fucking irritated, and feel like I'm being talked down to. So this is an F minus for me. It is only not getting go fuck yourself because I thought that Robert Pattinson was really great. I thought Elizabeth Debicki is great. Uh, Kenneth Branagh is playing his exact same character from Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. It works here, but it's the exact same thing. And I think this very heavily because Jonathan, uh, sorry, Jonathan Nolan, Christopher Nolan has never had a person of character uh, of uh, color be the lead in one of his films. The first one that he does that for, and he can't give the character a name. That's bullshit. And people will go, oh, well, come on, protagonist. Call him John Doe. It's right around the corner. Call him John Doe. Don't call him protagonist. It it dehumanizes him even more. He might as well, he, it might as well have been three-fifths of John David Washington on screen for the whole time. You're going to call him the protagonist, and you're going to give him so little character development that you can't even justify your what you do. It's maddening to me. So, no, I, I ding the movie heavily for that. Um, I'll tell you right now, if there is a positive that comes from this, as bad as the script is, my God, the script is bad. If I'm Warner Brothers, sign John Dave Washington. Let him be John Stewart. Please, let him be a Green Lantern. I think he's earned it at this point, considering you gave him this bullshit. But yeah, this is an F- for me. This is something I will never watch again. And I've watched all of Nolan's films multiple times. I will not, uh, outside of Dunkirk. Uh, I will not be watching this uh, ever again. I, I can tell you that right now. So, but... Everyone, Tenet, what did you think? Let us know in the comments below. You can go ahead and like our two pages on Real uh, uh, on Facebook at The Real Pineapple and Real Pineapple Games on Facebook. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter at jhunterrealpineapple. You can follow Scott on Twitter at nearmanthefirst. 
And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you think of our reviews. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, Apple and Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher and iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, TuneUp, and Amazon Music at The Real Pineapple. Thank you so much for listening. We'll have reviews up uh, here soon. Uh, next uh, uh, This week, our Black Cinema Showcase starts. I'm so excited to get into some some real black cinema. I'm real excited. We're gonna have reviews up for Malcolm X, uh, One Night in Miami. Uh, this month, I'll have a review up for Watchmen, uh, the 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 TV series. I've had a lot of requests to review that, so I'm finally getting around to it. And we'll have some uh, other stuff as well, including on Super Bowl Sunday, my worst of 2020, and the following week, my best of 2020. So I'm very excited to go ahead and get those out to all of you as well. Everyone, please be safe out there. Take care of each other. Wear a mask. And we'll talk to you soon.